If your litter box could talk, what would it say to you? Good morning, lovely day, isn't it? Or perhaps, what's up with all the clay dust and chemicals you're laying on me and the cat? If that's the case, consider World's Best Cat Litter. It's virtually dust-free, quick clumping, and lasts twice as long as clay litter. And because it's made from corn, it's chemical-free and a naturally safe choice. World's Best Cat Litter, the number one selling natural litter brand for a reason. Recorded live. Welcome to the John and Paul Radio Show, brought to you by AdventuresInMinistry.com. And we're glad to be with us today, and let's talk a little bit about the Chicago Cubs, my friends. Oh, my word. I cannot believe we're actually starting out the show. Go, Cubs, go. Hey, Chicago. They're going to win today. I told you they would. I told you they would. Welcome you did. to the John and Paul Radio Show. I am Paul, and with me, as always, as most most days, is John uh, Podine, and we are happy to be with you today. We're happy to wave the the, the uh, W flag. Um, always good with a W. Always love the W. It's always good. Congratulations! The hundred and year long drought from the Chicago Cubs there in Wrigleyville is over, and that is that. So we're going to talk a little cubbies. We're going to talk some Bama. We're going to talk some preaching and other things. But as I said, John is with me. John, how does it feel? Oh, I feel great, you know, considering, you know, our team from the east of us wasn't playing in anything and not sure they'll be playing in the game anytime long. It was a great series. I mean, I mean, what can you say about how the Chicago um, Cubs worked out? And, um, you know, doing all that, I mean, definitely one of the best Game 7s I have seen in a long, long, long time. And Let me uh, ask you uh, this while we're talking about it, and you mentioned it. What is another Game 7 World Series that comes close in any way to what just happened a couple of nights ago? I don't know. That's that's interesting. Um it's probably going to have to go back to the 90s, some of those. Um, oh, maybe even some of the Braves, uh, Minnesota Twins. Maybe yeah, back in the Yeah, 91, time. the Twins. Those days. Uh, 91, it was the Twins and the Braves. They went to the seventh game, John Smoltz against Jack Morris. And um, Smoltz, lost that, that battle. And um, the Twins ended up winning that. That was one of the ones that they mentioned that was a, a good game seven. But this is a 108-year drought. You know, I think this is really cool, and, and congratulations to the Cub Nation. I'm glad that they were able to get that. And I will say this, and I said this uh, weeks ago before the playoff even started, if it can't be the Braves, and obviously this year it's not, if it can't be the Braves, <laughs> I'm, glad it, I'm glad that it was the Cubs. So. Yeah, de- definitely. It was a good series. Uh, I, don't, I don't really care. It didn't bother me. I was, as far as a baseball fan, what a series. Talk about going back and forth, and, and you got to give the Cubs major credit from being down three-one. I mean, I did not think they'd win three straight coming from Chicago. No one usually does. Did not think yeah. that was going to happen. Um, right. And wow, what can you say about basically from the seventh inning on in that game? Just how the eighth inning even turned out, and give it up for David Ross hitting a home run in there. His last game retiring, been with the Braves, played at Auburn. Right. 
I mean, wow. I mean, that's yep. just one of the legitimately genuine good guys in baseball. Happy for him. But Cleveland will be back. Now, does Cleveland have the longest streak now waiting at, what, 69 games or 68 years, 69 years? They do. They do. Not in professional sports, but in baseball they do. But in baseball, okay. Well, yeah. I think the well, Browns have them, have them beat on professional sports. <laughs> the Browns may be there a while. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, uh, I will say this, speaking of the Browns, uh, as bad as they are, um, I am probably the opposite um, of what you would call a Cowboys fan. Uh, I actually pulled for the Oilers because they weren't the Cowboys back in the day, which led me to becoming a Titans fan later on, coming to Tennessee. I've actually put Dak Prescott and the Dallas defense on my fantasy team. I have that much um, belief that Cleveland will go down again this week. That tells you how bad Cleveland is. Well, poor Cleveland. At least they got the Cavaliers. That's right. That's right. And, and they got a really good baseball thing. And because I promise you, you know, if, if that rain delay had not come, I think we're sitting here saying the Cleveland Indians are the champions today. They were on a roll. Um, they were on a roll. Shaw had it going on. It was pitching well. And um, that uh, – Right delay. Always, for some reason, I, I don't know if you know you're 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 loose, you're throwing, you stopped that for it wasn't long, fifteen minutes maybe, but but that was that was a big fifteen minutes, man. It changed everything. He came back and it's almost like he, he was done. He didn't have a chance to, to to keep that arm loose and everything. So, um, something interesting I found that came out, and I, I'm sure some of you that are in our listening audience uh, today. I may have seen on Facebook where it talked about um, Ben Zobris, uh, the uh, right fielder for the um, – plays the right field as left field for the Cubs, uh, has actually spoken at um, David Lipscomb University back in – oh, what year was that? I believe it was, it was three or four years ago when he was playing for the Devil Rays, and he was sort of given what they would probably call a testimony of some kind. But he had, he had a really neat little talk. Um, he talked about his upbringing in Illinois. Um, I believe his background is probably uh, a Baptist background, going to a school. But but he, he said some really neat things about how it really doesn't matter about uh, a person's success and who they are. He always trying to make himself better, but he needs to forget about the fact that it's about him. And everything in life, everything comes back to Jesus and the cross. And I thought that was kind of neat, you know. Take it for what it is, but it's, it's kind of cool to see people that are at least thinking about those things beyond all, all the – Hubbub of the day-to-day grind of, of baseball and, and other things. So, cool to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, absolutely. So, definitely was a good, good, good time. Good, good things. And I think Paul, you're still kind of sleeping off the game, aren't you? Yeah, man, it was a party. We uh, stayed up, watched all the game, and then watched all the after-game um, post interviews and everything. It was really good. But hey, we lived to see another day. Um, fought in basketball with the T-Town. And, they did um, go to T-Town last night. Yeah, they give, did. Us, give us your thoughts on that. On how they look. Tell us how Faulkner looked. Tell us how they look. What, what, what do you think? I, I think um, it's going to be interesting. Um, of course, Bama beat Florida. Not uh, Faulkner, 91-71. to 71. I thought Faulkner very, played very admirable getting in there. I mean, you know that, that Alabama's going to be bigger and stronger. 
than than Faulkner. Um, but uh, Logan Josiak, he had 21, led all scores out there. I mean, they, Alabama couldn't stop him in the first half at all. It really didn't. They they switched him out and put a different guy on him for a little bit. Um, I, one thing I'll say for Alabama, I think should be a concern, especially once they start playing and get into league play, especially is um, Faulkner was standing right with them, rebounding them. Now Alabama's quicker. Alabama's de- Alabama's defense was a lot stiffer, and we had 15 turnovers in the first half, and that's really what the difference of the game was, to be perfectly honest with you. But shooting-wise and rebounding-wise, Faulkner was staying right with it. Now, everybody needs to understand, Faulkner's got a really good team. They will, they should win the conference this year and should make a pretty good showing in the in the tournament. And, you know, of course, when you get to March Madness, anything can happen. But um, I, I thought they played admirable, played well. Um, they fought back a couple times and never really kind of let um, – kind of um, – uh, I forgot what I was about to say, Paul. I just totally lost my mind in all of that. Well, I think um, it's, it's I, We never let Alabama run away with it, I guess is what I'm saying. Right, right, right. And I, I think that says something really big for uh, Scott and the team that he's put together. Um, yes. It's a great showing for Faulkner, I think. Yeah. 471 against Alabama. I mean, uh, not that Alabama's top tier in NCAA, but, but – SEC. I mean, that's that's admirable. I think it's really good. Yeah. Well, Paul, we we jumped out our first game of the year. We we jumped out against a pretty pretty good basketball team. Our first game of the year, and we scored ninety eight points. When's the last time Faulkner scored ninety eight points or ninety four points? We scored fifty four in the first half. We thought we were going to break the clock at a hundred. Um, so, this definitely a different team um, than what we've had before. And uh, at Faulkner. Um, Good little warm-up game. I'll say good little warm-up game for Alabama, and uh, we'll see what the season holds. Now, I'd like to see what happens. Well, I don't want to see it. It'd be a, it'd be a bloodbath. But it'd be interesting to see if they actually went and played uh, another sport, and that would be if Faulkner played Alabama in football and um, see what would happen on that one. Yeah, we, we, only, we, we, we got a few players on our team from University of Alabama. Yeah, there's a couple. I think we got a kicker and we got a uh, an offensive lineman. We mm-hmm. we do have somebody we do have somebody from Florida State on our team. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> was, uh, but I think Jameis, it was, I think it would hurt. I think it would hurt. Jameis is bit. wide receiver, I believe. No, but, it's uh, a, it was his roommate. He's a defensive end. Oh, okay. I thought he was wide receiver. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, hey, here here's this. We're gonna get into that. We're gonna talk about some Alabama football. Some. Some uh, top four, some Heisman talk, different things. Before we do that, uh, let's get into some ministry discussion here. Um, we've been advertising this all week. We did this on the Monday morning uh, quarterback show, which um, started as the quarterback minute, but we've changed that to the Monday morning quarterback show. That'll be about, I'd say, five to ten minutes um, on your Monday morning um, drive-in or a Monday morning opportunity. Look for that as we'll recap the, the games of the weekend, which is mostly what that's about. And we'll introduce the, the, the discussion we'll have, um, the, the spiritual side of things, um, on Friday. And then Friday morning, as we did a little while ago, we'll give a two-minute drill on um, things to expect in this show. And some of those things we talked about was this very discussion. Uh, i got two things in ministry I want to share with you. The first thing is about this discussion. That is, the, um, the as we mentioned before, the metamorphosis, the change from the week gospel meeting to the one-day gospel getaway, as we called it. Um, it's not really a getaway, but it, it is a one-day event. Um, 
John, what what do you think? Let's let's sort of step in the time machine and go back. Um, there was a time I, I, we both have heard of this, and many have heard of this. Back in the day, they used to have two week gospel meetings. Somebody told me, you know, we used to have a guy that come in, he'd preach for a whole month, and I'm like, you're crazy. But um, <laughs> but, but you know, but now it's, it's one day. Sometimes there's sort of a Friday night speaker, maybe a Saturday night speaker, and then Sunday. And then it went straight into just a full-day or a half-day Sunday deal um, or a full-day Sunday deal. Why the big change from the weeks to the days? You You know, I I have to say, I think, first of all, when we sit here and we're talking about this, I I mean, Paul, I I just think people are – and this may get into a heart issue or um, maybe it's a heart discussion or something. I, I think just honestly, I think we're so busy. I, I think the, the the biggest killer that's caused all this is that everybody is so stinking busy with everything that's going on in their lives, and maybe that's yeah. maybe that's a bigger indictment that we need to change some things, um, and everything like that. If that makes sense, but uh, I mean, you know as well as I do, um, especially when you have kids and you have kids involved in high school athletics, and I'm just speaking for me personally. I mean, yeah. Paul, how many times do you call me or text me and I'm at the court or I'm at a softball field? Pretty often. I mean, I mean, it's just there are, I think, um, is it Andrew, Andrew, or is it Brett, one of them saying so many um, um, distractions in, in people's lives is what he said in, in the chat room, and I, I, we do. I, I think the biggest killer of it has been – the distractions, and so I think churches have looked at, okay, are we going to pay this guy to come in here and spend all these days here? And, and understand, I'm not necessarily hitting on a money issue, but just saying, where can we get the biggest bang for our bunk, buck? And people have gone to these one-day things. But yeah, it's interesting. We want to bring something up later in this discussion, but, but keep on going about youth youth work. Well, yeah, you're right. And let me really um, feature and bring up a comment that Andrew Thompson mentioned in the chat room, and that is that people are more about the personal connection than they are the the lecture to me kind of thing. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And I get that. I understand that. But what's the product? What is the package item on the shelf you pick up that makes that happen? What is that thing? Because here's the deal. Um, back in the, what, 1950s uh, or 1900s, they didn't say, okay, world, okay, church, we're all going to go from the two weeks a month. Now we're doing the one-week gospel meeting, and you all must do it. This is what it is. And people saw that. They thought, one week, that's cool, because you pack a punch in just a week. That's neat. And then you move into the 80s and the 90s, and you turn into the weekend event, and now it's the one day. You know, what is that, that event? What is that thing that you pick up off the shelf and throw in your, your ministry buggy and check out, so to speak, uh, to put it in those words. What does it look like? What is a thing that, that really connects people to have that personal personal contact? Because it's tough to get them in the building. You know, you bring in a big speaker. Um, this past week we had Ralph Gilmore come in and speak. Man, he did phenomenal. He did great. Um, but sometimes you bring in a speaker that they're not used to, someone that's not from your area, someone who has their niche, you know, and I think Ralph is probably the – a Q&A answer guy, you know, he's that guy, sure. and, and he's wonderful at it. But, but you, what does it look like? What is the thing you need to, to find to, 
to boost the congregation, to boost the knowledge, to boost the involvement. Well, and I, I think that's I think that's maybe a question of what what I, I I think we have to sit back and the first question we may have to ask Paul is what are we trying to accomplish in this? Is this an evangelistic effort? Is this a like you just said? Is this a building up your church congreg- local congregation effort? What exactly are you trying to accomplish? What is your goal? Because if you're talking about an evangelistic effort, well, that's a little bit different goal than say, like what we just did last Sunday here at university in bringing um, Dr. Ralph Gilmore in from Freed Hardeman, came in here and spoke and did a phenomenal job from what I understand, considering I was just at a place in Mississippi and did the exact same thing. Right. And, and is that to encourage and build up your church? And I think so that looks a little bit different than even when we're talking about the old evangelistic gospel meeting effort. Right. Well, I think also you look at what a person brings to the table and they speak, but also you've got to look at what you need. You know, as an eldership, uh, hopefully you have your hand on the pulse of what's going on in your congregation, and you know what is needed. Um, you know, here we, we started, and I think this is kind of cool. I kind of like this. Um, we just started this a couple of years ago. Uh, this, this is 16, so 15, uh, we, we, did, we started a theme for the year. And the, the, the theme was, um, is about love, the heart, having a heart and a love. Um, and then this year is, is, is love your neighbor. We sort of took it the next step. Next year, we're actually, um, actually, uh, this is, a, I guess, a scoop for you. This next year is focus on the Bible, focus on the Word, is what it is. And so basically, we're going to spend a lot of time in Bible study and really breaking down Scripture. But, but before we do that, though, you need to know how to get them to the Scripture. You know, sometimes it's, it's Sunday morning, someone speaks, they say something, it triggers something, but how do you get that otherwise, you know? And, um, and I think the point I make here is, is uh, for, for you to know what your church needs, and that's your eldership's job, is to, is to know what they need and to provide that need. And so I think that's the big thing is you got to look into your own heart and congregation. What, is, what are you doing right? What are you doing wrong? And what can you do to get everything right? You know, and so that, that comes down to, to knowing what is needed and trying to fulfill that need. Yeah, I, and I think that's where you go, and I think that's why you, that's where you have to start with all these things. I mean, one of the things that's being brought up in the chat room right now is what Blake Jones does at Rainbow up in Gadsden area. He does the old-fashioned. His thing goes for about 10 days, 10 or 12 days, something like that, and, and they spend a couple of weeks even prior to that door knocking, going through there, and it is. They're they they're making the old-fashioned thing work. And yeah. I, that's a good point. You know, a lot of it comes back to these connections, kind of building of what you're trying to do. You've got these distractions with everything. And so how do you get in there and, and build that? Here's something I'll say this, um, and this is what I wanted to bring up with all this, Paul, and, and, and you may wonder where I'm going with this. Has it? Does it seem like it's kind of reversed though with youth rallies? Back in the '80s and the '90s, what did we have? You had one-day youth rallies. You had, you know, you get there at eight or nine o'clock in the morning. You're there till two o'clock in the afternoon, and you go home. And or by three, you're leaving and going home. And oh every goodness. once in a while, you had the weekend 
And now what do you have? All of the things are built for conferences. All of the things are built for the big things, and they're big events that we're going to. We're not necessarily going to a church anymore. We're going to convention centers and things like this, and we're doing the three- and four-day thing. So it's interesting how with youth that's kind of reversed. Darn, that is so funny. I, I laugh it because you're so right. Uh, people don't have time for the, the weekend. They went down to the one-day thing where adults are involved. But when our kids are involved, they want more, and they want more involvement with, within it. That that is really really good point to bring up, uh, and, and why is that? Why is that that kids want more, but adults want less? I I don't know, and and maybe it's the new generation, and maybe what will take place, Paul, is when we are, uh, you know, up in our sixties and seventies, you will see a return to the week long you know, revival gospel meeting type of things because maybe that's they're having that spiritual desire come back with inside, and maybe somewhere along the line, as adults, we've lost it. Hmm. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out. Man, that's a good point, though. I mean, because we're all about the youth rallies and the events and putting them on and making sure that every little piece is just right and ready for it. Hmm. I think what you're, you're hitting on here is something that I think you and I have been actually talking a lot about off radio, off the camera, and that is about the fact that we need to bring in more event-type styles into our day-to-day life. Well, and that's, I, I, the sad part is, and I think, there's a, I think we have to be careful, and you and I have talked about this, I think there's a balance, there's a weight that that we need to watch with it, but I think that is how we are so geared in our culture and how we are geared um, – I I just – you know, we've got to figure out how do we harness that and put it into it because we are geared that way. We're geared with going to the movies. We're geared with game sevens. You know, I mean, think yeah. about it. Everybody was watching the game five, game six. Yeah, those were big. But, man, everybody, I think there was, what, 48 million people that tuned into game seven I'm alone. Sure. You, you see kind of the way we, we've gone, and so everything is kind of geared that way. And I think we have to use it, but I also think we have to be careful with how much we use it. Absolutely, yeah. It, you you bring in that game seven again, and I'm, I'm not getting into the baseball conversation, but I do think it's, it's mindful to note that uh, the Game 7 ticket price was $19,000 a piece. Think about the money that those Chicagoans uh, in part of history. Seriously, think about the expense and the commitment and the sacrifice that citizens of that town and across the state and across the country made to be a part of that game seven that last little bit. And yet what we're offering is something that is worth much, much, much more. And we're not asking them to pay a dime. All we're asking is for their commitment. And um, I think that right there, that right there puts us in the place where we realize we have something great to share. We have something life-changing uh, and eternal measurement of, of awesomeness. And 
we we keep telling ourselves, well, the world's not ready for this, or you can you can um, Matthew seven that all you want to, but on choices and who does what. But my goodness, people put so much into the earthly things and they forget about what's truly important. And we do, we do. It puts every I said that puts everything in perspective though. It puts everything in perspective. Well, let me ask you this, Paul. How do you do that when, and maybe this comes into the Romans or the, the Matthew 6, 33, of seek first the kingdom of God and everything, well, God will take care of the things that we need to take care of. How right. do you do that in a world that is screaming for just the opposite of taking up your time? We, we mentioned some of the distractions, and I'll just mention, um, I'll mention the, the sports side of things of having a kid that's in, that plays so many sports and you know we've talked about this a lot like during the summer it was hard to get kids to go to things because they're practicing every sport I mean Caitlin except for now right now because of surgery and some other things hasn't been playing but basically for the last three years she hasn't had a break because of constantly going and so um, sometimes you know even this year coming up for exposure we were going to run into a problem with some of our kids that go to church at university of uh, even attending exposure because of um, basketball tournaments and things like that going on. How do you balance that out with, with what is really important spiritually when you live in a world that's so competitive in the way it is? Well, let me say this first. Um, I would never make a kid feel bad for not going to exposure because of the tournament. Because unless it fell like a Sunday or something, you know, if a kid is skipping church, well, yes, one thing. Yes. But, but th- these are extra events, and it is a, an extra opportunity. So I think there's a difference in that. Um, I do know I played football in middle school and high school and elementary, and I can tell you right now, every one of my coaches will say, would tell you today, um, that uh, Spurlin played hard, he did well, but he was never there on Wednesdays or Sundays. Um, sure. Absolutely. At first, it was because, yeah, I'm sure most of us go in that category. Uh, but my dad, there's no way. He says, you can play football, but I'm telling you, I know you got practice on, on Wednesday. You're not going to be there. And I'm like, well, here, here's the whole thing. Well, I'm not practice dad, but I may not get to play. You know, that, that's what um, some right. situations bring themselves towards that. And he's like, well, that's the choice you're going to have to make. Because right. there are choices we have to make in life as parents uh, and as kids. But my parents don't make our kids the kids' positions. <laughs> um, having a voice but not a choice. I think it's something to be be said of, but um, I think it's about priorities. Yeah, and when, when you take your choice and your your priority is playing a sport or something extracurricular in the place of worshiping God, there is a problem, a deep seated problem, uh, because Jesus died for me, and there's nothing more important than fulfilling my commitment to Him for that. And um, I really wish that the world could hear what we're talking about right now because um, if as a parent I'm willing to skip a service or an opportunity to serve or to live for Christ because of a ball game or a competition or a recital, I'm instilling in my child the importance of all the extras over God. And that is not not a mess I'm willing to, willing to, to share. And that's one of the things I, I will say that I am appreciative. Um, you know, 
in, in our own things about um, where my daughter attends school. But one thing I will say at least is because on Wednesday night, they aren't allowed to practice after a certain time. They're not allowed to play games, you know, um, except unless there is a, you know, Alabama high school thing that kind of forces that situation. But they're not allowed to um, practice. They're not allowed to do that. And that's one thing that's very appreciative. So, uh, you know, I know that they won't be taken away from things like that. But I remember even Paul being a little kid pitching in a baseball game and and we were in a championship series, and it was Wednesday night. And normally we didn't play games on Wednesday night, but for some odd reason during championship time they always did. And um, I remember my mom and dad pulling me out in the middle of the game, and I told the coach, and the coach always knew, and he said, okay, I'll, we'll see you tomorrow. Hmm. And so but they always knew. That's cool. That's cool. Now, I think we should um... – treat this kind of like we would if we were at an event and craziness started happening in worship. You know, if craziness happens in worship and they bring out the instruments and they go crazy or, or they're hoop hoop and holler holler and doing worship, I, I'm taking my group out of there. But I'm not going to stand up, scream at everybody and make my way out. Um, this is my choice. It's my personal choice that I follow the Bible the way it speaks and I want to um, to to follow it correctly. But I'm not going to make a big D and be big deal and make a pharisaical situation out of it. Um, and my dad was the same way. I mean, he was like, you just make it known and then just get out of there. We just, we don't make a big deal about it. And um, the coach always came to us and talked to us about it. We just, hey, my, my dad just explained to me, we have church. We're going to go there. I, I, even with me, I church, and uh, that's where we're going to be. And, um, and, and uh, to be honest, I was okay with it. I know some kids to fight that battle. Uh, with parents sometimes, but but parents, here's the deal. If we teach our kids from a young age what is important and don't change those, keep that the same, then you shouldn't have that issue. You know, I realize that peer pressure, the friends are there, they want to be there, I get that, but I think if we don't instill this at an early age, it's very difficult to grab on that as a, as a young adult. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think you're absolutely right, and you know, and that goes back to even this whole thing is what do we do as churches? Do we do we force back and go back to the week-long things? Do we do the, the, the one-day things because that's just kind of how society has set us up? You know, and I think that's the challenge. That's the real challenge that us as ministers and as elders and deacons of how do you shepherd, how do you build your flock, how do you do these things, and um, – um, how do we, you know, how do we build this? How do we grow these things? And I think this is good discussions um, that we need to have. We need to have these with church leaders and, and have open minds. And, and so like what we even talked about, was it last week on our show about is there different ways to, or a couple of weeks ago, different ways to do things um, to try to get what's the best out of it. Right, right. Um. Well, I think I think we're fooling ourselves if we think the schedules today is the same as they were 10, 20, 30 years ago. I realize things are more strenuous. Um, and maybe in some cases we do that for ourselves. But um, from from the research that I've done, things that I've seen, um, you know, a lot more is expected of people today and, um, and, and than, than I did 50 years ago, uh, I think. Um, maybe not in all cases, but I, I definitely think we need to understand that, that 
the the pie, the full pie, there's a whole lot more little pieces of it today than there were 50 years ago. Um, but I think you've got to take a handle of those and realize which ones are the most important. You've got to provide for your family. That's a biblical truth, okay? Um, but also you get to um, you have to honor God as well. And um, yeah. I, I just think you've got to... Again, it all goes back to, to, to uh, priorities. I, I, I get and I understand render the things that are seized, render to God things that are God. I get that. I understand that. Um, but um, God still comes first every time. And um, and I guess that, that is what needs to be instilled in our adults. You know, we think in, in youth ministry that we, we're ministering to children. That's incorrect. We're ministering to the family. And um, and the only way to do that is, is through the Bible and sharing um, about those priorities and sharing about what is important. And um, think about this block. If you're willing to spend um, thousands of dollars to watch a ball game, what seat would you want to buy? Do you want to be a nosebleed or do you want to be right up front? The comparison I'm going to be, $1, gonna be up front. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. You made a commitment. You're making a sacrifice. I'm paying that money. You bet. I'm on the 50-yard line. You know what I'm saying? Uh, right. But when it comes to church, when it comes to worship, we, you know, I get sometimes we also make sacrifices for our families, but, you know, God and Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. Why would I not want to also be on the 50-yard line? I would also not be right up front. And I'm not talking about the pew up front. I'm talking about in my involvement in what I would do. He's done so much for us. What are we doing for him? Um, the, the, we're getting into the, the 80-20 rule, you know, where um, you have uh, 20% of the, of the people are doing 80% of the work, you know, and it's just it's not cool, you know. And, and it goes back to to our commitment and and our love and, and sacrifices we're willing to make or not make when it comes to our relationship with God. And... Um, and it's up to us as, as ministry leaders, as, as men and women who love God, who get it, to communicate it. It doesn't do us any good. It doesn't do the congregation any good if we get it and we don't communicate it. You know, we can talk about this all day long, but until we start sharing this with people and start encouraging them to start doing the right thing, not be dogmatic about it. You know, you should stop playing baseball. Or, I would never say that. I would say make the right decisions in what you're trying to do. I have these kinds of conversations with parents all the time. They don't like it, but I'm like, right. you know, I really miss your child at PB&J the other night. Well, they had they had practice this and that. I'm like, well, I understand that, you know, because there's a difference in that and like, you know, and worship. But if I miss them worship, right. I'm going to go to them and ask them, I miss your child. You know, I really. Because yeah, I know you have those you have those conversations about missing things like that with me all the time. I'm like, that's right. We, we talk about this every week. Uh, not that, but, but you know what I'm saying. I, I don't mind having those conversations because I love them and I love you. And if I didn't love you, I wouldn't ask you about it. You know, I, I think the big point here is I'm trying to make here is it is good for us to realize the need and the desire to do right. But we as ministry leaders, as Christians, are doing everyone a disservice if we know it and don't at least try to encourage people in the right direction. I think you're absolutely right, Paul. I think we're, we're killing this topic. I, I'm, I'm just, I really think that's something we need to discuss. Um, you asked a question about 
do we go back to the one week thing? I think because of the schedule, I think the one week, the one day thing does work. We, we, um, in a, in a, a sort of tongue in cheek sort of way, we called it the, the one day got the getaway. Um, I think that one day actually means a lot to people. We do it quarterly, and those days are special to people. Um, they're special because we bring in new speakers. We get to have a fellowship meal together, and yes, we get time with our families in the afternoons. We get to hang out with kids or something later on. We have a little more time at night on that day, and it makes it special. Um, make those days special. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Enjoy those. I think the schedules today with everything else going on, it's really tough to do the one-week deal. I don't think that it's it can be done, but um, whatever you do, make it special. And, and really, the big thing is communicate. Um, Today is November the 4th. We are going to have a special day on November the 6th. No year or not, that's not going to happen. You need to give yourself about three months at least to really push and promote a big day. And make a goal day out of it, you know. Make it an all-members all Sunday kind of thing. But, but let them know in plenty of time of what's happening. You have to communicate that so people can make arrangements. So I, I think that has a lot to do with it too, the communication of it all. I absolutely agree. You know, this, and this will give us some good things to be talking about here on our show, and uh, hopefully we'll get some more people to be able to join in when we can maybe look at expanding this discussion about priorities and things a little bit more um, in all of this. And I hope it's spurred on some of your thoughts uh, to what um, what we can do and maybe what we need to be focusing on uh, in our ministries and in our just our general lives in you know, in particular. Um, so, Paul, I mean, I think we have beat this one to death <laughs> a little bit with it. Yeah. Hey, let me say one other thing, too, before we get to the next topic. I want to get to the next topic. Um, we have uh, a number of people in our chat room right now. Y'all, don't, don't be scared to call in, okay? We'd love to get you in and talk and get your thoughts on what we're talking about. Um, so, so don't forget that. Um, we try to post that in a lot of places. Uh, if you're in the chat room, you look down uh, on the call in now button. Uh, our number is 724-444-7444, and then you, you, it'll ask for you for the, um, the call ID number, and that number is 113940 with a pound, and you get in and you talk to us. Um, we still have time for that if you'd like to talk about the next part of what we're going to discuss. And I think we've talked about the Cubs. We, we get what's happened. They won it. We're glad. Um, now their, their team's going to be decimated with free agency. It is what it is. And now uh, let's get and talk a little football. Oh, a little college football, Paul. I mean, we kind of hit on this a little bit. Our Monday morning, not our Monday morning quarterback. We did talk about that, but our two-minute drill. Um, we were a little off on the college football playoffs. I mean, at least we had three of the four teams that were in there, but we were both wrong on Washington. It was nowhere to be found. Um, Texas A&M. I think you and I had talked about that a little bit afterwards away from the show that, um, you know, if they were going to put a one-loss team in there, it would be te- it'd be Texas A&M, and that's what they did. Um, talk about shocking the college football world. Yeah, um, I think if, if you have to have a loss right now and you have a chance, you want that loss to be the number one team in the nation with a 20-game winning streak. I exactly. think that's the, the formula. <laughs> um, I, I think in, that's exactly what it is. In fact, here's, here's the, the kiss of death. For any one and two lost teams um, in, in, in college football right now, if Alabama, if Alabama was to, let's just say, I don't think they will, but let's just say they lose Saturday or they win Saturday and they lose Auburn. If you're on the bubble, if you're five and six, 
you do not want Alabama to be at one loss. I'm telling you right now. You just don't. Uh, and I'm saying that because because if Alabama has one loss, they come off yeah. of a 20-game winning streak, they've been number one for over a year, who do you think will get that fourth spot of the one-loss teams? It's got to be Alabama. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. Yeah, it, it would have to be Alabama because they beat so, them head-to-head. Yeah, so those of you that have one loss and two losses, right now at this point, you want Bama to win out. You really do. Because if they don't, they lose the game, they'll be on the bubble. They'll get that fourth spot before anybody else. I'm telling you right now. So so one loss, two loss teams, you've got to be Bama fans right now because if they lose the game, they're going to get that fourth spot. They sure will. Whether they go to the championship game or not, I'm telling you right now, that's just what it's going to be. Because because the the, the uh, committee is showing their love for, for the SEC. If Texas A and M gets that spot, you know the man will get it if it was a game. So, well, it, 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 it's going to be interesting. I mean, the beauty. This is the beauty that you love about college football. Um, that uh, to me makes college football so much better than pro football. Um, even even Sherman was saying the other day from. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, that the, the league isn't fun anymore. That's the beauty of college football is these things here. Week in, week out, there's a big game coming up and that has major implications if they lose um, or if they win. And if you win out, this is what's going to take place. Here's what's going to happen. And everything is still, for about 11 teams here, everything is still in front of them. They, they control their own destinies. And so we'll see kind of how all of this plays out and how all of this goes. Look. Washington is undefeated. If they roll and go undefeated, they are going to be in the college football playoffs. I don't care if, if Alabama goes undefeated, Michigan goes undefeated, Clemson goes undefeated, and Texas A&M, their one loss, Washington will go. It's just that, that would be a major uproar, and the SEC bias crowd will be screaming to the top of their lungs. Well, and ESPN can just – they can just <laughs> – uh, well, I don't know that. The ESPN can just stop the, the talk about the whole, um, you know, SEC love, SEC love, because they sure don't give it give them any. But I'm going to tell you right now, that committee, they do seem a little biased. I'm not going to lie, because I don't see where Texas A&M needs to be there at all. I realize they weren't lost. This is one of the most in the nation. But Washington is undefeated. Uh, they're playing well. They're playing convincingly. Browning, I think, is one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. You got Lamar Jackson, I get that, but Louisville, there's no chance they have of getting up there. Um, but they beat Utah this past week. I thought it was a really big win for them, a close game. Uh, especially when you look at the underwhelming response that we got from what, what was it, Michigan, and um, of course, Boise State lost, Nebraska lost, Baylor lost, West Virginia lost, Louisville looked terrible in a win, Ohio State looked terrible in a win, uh, Michigan looked terrible in a win. I mean, you know, I just don't see it. I, I, I just don't. I think that, um, you know, we look, go back to it. We got Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, and that's Michigan, Ohio State. The winner of that game is going to be in that spot. And then I think Washington, everybody wins out. That's what we're looking at. Yeah, I, I, I completely I, I completely see all that. So, coming up and thinking about these games going on, what do you think about this weekend? Well, I got a bold, I got a bold pick. Uh, and I'll let that be the last part we talk about today. Yeah, um, we're definitely going to talk about that last there. we have, Everybody, you need to brace yourself. For as much as all the, the stuff that Paul was sitting here and, and saying 
about Alabama, one loss going to go, just that may be a little well, preview pick yeah. here in just a minute. Yes, they were to get one loss. I think they still would be on the bubble. But that's just me. Paul, oh, you're you're killing you're killing me. I'm trying to set this up for from so I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, yeah, maybe that's what And that's what's going on. Uh, we, we do got a couple well, of big games this weekend that will be very interesting. Yeah, we got um, the biggest, of course, game day is going to be sitting uh, in Baton Rouge there, um, and uh, we're going to be looking at that game, the uh, the Alabama LSU game. But, but John, give us – before that, we want to talk about that. We'll give our thoughts on that. Give us your, your game you're looking at. Not that game, a different game. You give a game, I'll give a game, then we'll finish that one. Well, of course, you know, going to be looking at that. I'm, going to, of course, going to be looking at Florida, Arkansas. Let me tell you a game, sure. though, that I really – and we'll talk, I'll talk about Florida, Arkansas a little bit later here uh, afterwards. I'm telling you the game I'm going to be watching is Georgia, Kentucky. That is going to be okay. the game I'm watching for a couple of different reasons in here. Is Kentucky for real sitting where they're sitting at? Because right now they're second place in the East. Um, that game really interests me because Georgia has looked like a burning doghouse for the last three or four weeks. And what is Kentucky going to come in here and do? Are they going to run the ball? like they, They're averaging nearly 300 yards a game rushing. Um what are they going to do? Is Georgia going to be able to read down? Because I can tell you something. Georgia could not do anything um, running the ball uh, last week versus Florida. Jacob Eason was getting hit. Everything was coming through there. I'm curious to see, is Kentucky for real? And if they come up and step up against Georgia, Kirby Smart may be already filling up his um, um, moving truck. Yeah, I think that uh, Smart is hoping that Pruitt gets all this stuff in the boxes that he carry to leave again because um, Kirby's going to need somewhere to go. Uh, if, if if Georgia loses to Kentucky and Vanderbilt in the same year, that's not good. I'm telling you right now. I realize this is his first year, but Georgia was like, what, 10-2 and two last year? What happened? I mean, I realize that Rick Pike had a couple of players with him, but I don't think he took everybody. I mean, that, that is good. the question. That is the question that every Georgia Bulldog over there in the state of Georgia is asking right now because they should have been better as far as quarterback-wise because you brought in one of the top ones. I understand he's a freshman, but look at what a freshman is doing at the University of Alabama. So and Florida State. And Florida State. So don't use that as an, as an excuse. Um, I don't think the line was as good as what they thought it would be. Um, uh, I think defensive-wise, Kirby still got some work to do. Um, over there a little bit, but and I don't think they have the receivers necessarily, and I think that may be a couple of the problems that they're having. Cause you know they got the running backs between Michelle and Chubb, but you can't just have yeah. the running backs the whole time. I think Florida held Chubb to like what 27 yards, something like that, of rushing. Right. I mean, it, it was something just astronomically low. So it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Definitely. Well, I think another game that I like that I'm really looking forward to, to see what happens is um, Ohio State and Nebraska. Uh, Good both, game. Are coming, both of them are coming off losses over the past couple of weeks. Um, Nebraska this past week, and then of course um, Ohio State to uh, Penn State the week before. Uh, it is just a horseshoe. Um, Ohio State. Um, <laughs> Vegas has them at a 17 point um, uh, 
lead on that, uh, given the uh, Nebraska being the, the dog in it. Um, I get it. I think Ohio State will probably win the game. I think it's close to 17 points. Yeah, I don't think so either, Paul. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, I say that, what's Vegas thinking? But the uh, Texas and Alabama game, I also asked the same question at 19 points. And that game ended at 19-point differential. It's almost a little weird, well, almost too perfect or whatever. Um, I will say that it's interesting how the Vegas people, honestly, are usually pretty accurate. <laughs> oh, I know. It's really scary. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy or anything, but I'm just, you know, it, whatever. Um, let's, talk, let's, uh, let's talk about Florida for a minute, okay? I'd like to hear your thoughts on this because uh, I know we want to sound. Um, I think we're waiting for Luke Del Rio's coming out party. I'm ready for him to throw for about 300 yards, run for about 50, and get about three or four touchdown passes. When is this guy going to make? He's talented. We know he has the talent. He's been highly recruited. Um, he's definitely been a journeyman when it comes to <laughs> being at schools. But I think this is it. Is this the week that he comes out and really shows everybody the talent that he has? Is he healthy enough to make it happen, John? I, I hope so. I think he's healthy enough. I think he's so pumped up all the time trying to make a throw of 100 miles an hour around this is something you and I talked about a little bit earlier. Florida played two, has played two games in close to like 24, 29 games, days, something like that. Especially within the last six weeks, they have just not played a lot of football as far as competitive against, each, against another opposing team. And right. that's where a lot of the national talking heads are kind of seeing, and they just kind of, you know, a lot of them are saying Florida is overrated. I probably would have to give them on that. They probably are a little overrated because offensive-wise, you haven't seen – you've seen glimpses, but you haven't seen that explosion like you said. And I really hope it's this week. I hope it's this week that they come in here and he's throwing for 325 yards. Callaway and Cleveland have 100 yards apiece receiving. And some other people, I think part of it is the receivers maybe not stepping up, but part of it is he's missing them. He is missing it. Um, some bad throws even last week, some misreads last week. So I'm hoping this is the week that it does, that it comes. Um, Defensive-wise, you know Florida's going to be able to do that. But offensive-wise, you know, it's kind of been the recurring theme for the last about five years. Hmm. Well, um, you know, Auburn handled Arkansas so handedly, it's almost like it was a game between men and boys. And – I know that defense at Auburn is solid. We get that. I think they've proven themselves. But I don't think Florida's defense is that far behind. How do you think that their defense stands up to Austin Allen? Um, and that air attack they have. They are allowing. I saw a stat the other day. Um, I think it was last night while I was watching something. on the. I was watching the stats of the, of the Faulkner-Alabama game. Um. Uh-huh. I think Arkansas um, has allowed 21 sacks this year. Florida it leads or is third in the SEC or second in the SEC in sacks, um, you know, put on people at 21. I And Arkansas is like at the bottom of the league for giving up sacks. I don't think Austin Allen's going to have the time to do it. Between the front four and the linebackers coming in, because how good – Haber and Wilson are, as long as they keep their heads straight, I don't think it's going to have time to do it. They will put those guys on the island 
and let him defend them one by one, and they'll send the house, and I'm not sure he's going to have time to throw. Hmm. Well, and that will um, basically for Austin Allen and that offense for um, for uh, Arkansas, that's sort of more of the same from last week. And I know he's getting tired of getting hit all the time, but you're in the SEC. And if your offensive line can't protect you, then it's going to be a long day. And and I think that's what's going to happen again. I, I don't think it's a close game at all. I think Florida really shows that they are deserving of number 11 in the nation, and um, hopefully they can gain some ground um, after this win. I definitely think Florida wins this game. I'd say at least my, my 10. Am I not close to that? Um, I don't think they win by 10. I, I, I don't you don't think I, so? No. I, I mean, a touchdown, maybe like year 24, 17, somewhere around in there. I, I, I just – until until – um, Del Rio, Del Rio actually shows me. I would trust me. I love it because we got LSU coming up here in, in a, another week or so, and I would absolutely love um, for him to start getting in a groove, especially having to go to Baton Rouge and play that game. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I want to see it, but I haven't seen it yet. So I think it, I think it's a touchdown. Okay. Cool. I'm looking more like a thirty to twenty kind of score. Okay. Okay. I think both score. I think both. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, I'll give it. Uh, I'll say twenty ten. I'll say twenty ten Florida. Okay. No, okay. I don't think Arkansas will score quite that much. Uh, yeah, I don't think they'll score twenty. Well, John, let's let's close this out with um, the, probably the most important game to date in the NCAA. Is this could very well restructure and change the entire way we look at the top four. Um, this can restructure the, um, and change even a program. This game. That's absolutely right. That's, there's so much in the balance, way in the balance on wins or losses uh, this weekend on the um, uh, results of this. Alabama going in taking on LSU. Uh, what are your thoughts? High points, low points. What's going to happen? This is this is Coach O's audition. Everything he's done has been good, you know, coming up from all of this. This is his audition. And if he beats he beats Alabama, there is a contract waiting for him Monday morning. Yep, I agree. And it, it is that big. Coach O has always been known, has always been known, to to excite the team. He's always been a player's coach. Um, mm-hmm. He's doing a whole lot better. I mean, he did this at even at USC. So this isn't – nobody should be surprised at what he's doing right now at LSU. Sure. For some odd That's reason, it point. didn't work at his first coaching stint with, with Ole Miss. But um, I don't think LSU has the firepower on offense Quarterback-wise, I still don't think so to beat Alabama. Now, is this going to be a blowout game? I don't think it's going to be a blowout game because LSU's defense, though I don't think they're as good in the secondary as they have been, they're still nasty. They're still SU, and they're still nasty coming in there. And I think this will be uh, 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 the, the toughest challenge against Alabama's offense. Um, I, I see this probably being like a 10-point game somewhere in there. You know, maybe 
maybe a 31-21, maybe that. I still don't think – or maybe something more like a, a 21-14 type of game. Um, I, think, um, I think it's close, and I think there's going to be a lot of drunk Tiger fans in, in purple and gold yelling, and Death Valley is going to be lit on Saturday night. <laughs> I'm not gonna be lit either way, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think it's gonna be even more. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. Let me tell you right now. Um, you really forgot one little item that I think needs to be mentioned, and I cannot believe you forgot probably the biggest offensive piece that LSU has to offer right now, and that is Leonard Fournette, uh, coming off of a 284 yard rushing day last week. Um, how can we not think that? Um, he will assert himself against uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. I guess one reason we could think that they wouldn't is because they completely shut him down last year. Um, and people, exactly, and I, I know why, that's why I said that, but um, I mean, I know why you didn't mention it because of that reason. But everyone in the nation who's faced Alabama this year and everyone who's watched Alabama, watched Alabama this year will tell you that their defense this year is quicker and more athletic than they were ever before. Now, there's one item there that's not there that I wish was, and that's bigger. They're not as big as they were, because if you're going to be fast, you've got to compromise on something. Um, but that's on defense, and their defense is prolific. This is the first game where Alabama is playing without Eddie Jackson. And I think that's, that's something that will, as an adjustment, they're going to make. Um, I heard where that... Um, they're going to try to get um, Kilpatrick back there to, to take the punt returns. Uh, I hope that happens. That'd be kind of cool. Um, I do know they're going to have to shift around. And Eddie Jackson is such a prolific player on defense. They're not moving just put one man in. They're having to reshuffle their entire secondary for the defense. So a lot of things changing there. I think for the better, um, you hate losing someone like Eddie Jackson, but that is what it is. Um, I think Alabama, when they face a pocket passer, they're going to win every time because their defense is so stinking fast. Uh, I, I don't think Edling, this in his first year of being a college um, football quarterback, uh, on a full-time level, I know he's played for you and I get that, but but at this level, I really think Bama takes control of him on, on that. I don't think they shut him down, but I do think they slow him down, just like they'll slow down um, Cornette, for sure. I agree. I think that's exactly right. I don't. Edling still has, as though he still has not shown me anything um, that's just like, ooh, cool. You know, I think there are pieces where it comes, uh-huh. and definitely, you know, more, more um, consistent throwing the ball. But I just, I don't see it. Fournette is going to have to have a 250-yard game for uh-huh. LSU to win. And Paul, when was the last time Alabama even allowed a rusher close to 200 yards? Um, Bo Jackson. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh me, uh, Cameron Petway is just a few weeks away. I look forward to see how that turns out because I know he's really, really doing well for Auburn right now. But that's the end. This is now. Uh, one thing we didn't mention is uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, sort of the Hurts factor. Um, this guy has uh, ice running through his veins. Nothing moves him. 
every every week they're all they're asking the question: Is he ready for this big crowd? Is he ready for this big crowd? He's faced big crowds. Okay, I, I, I know this is different. I get it. He's playing at LSU and Baton Rouge. I get that. But they've had two weeks, John, two weeks to work on the deep passing. Um, I have a friend of mine and connections um, with the team. I'm telling you right now, they have worked on deep passing, and I think you're going to see another, a little more accurate Jalen Hurts. And just imagine, just imagine how fast he is, how elusive he is. And he loves O.J. Howard, so he can throw the, the quick pass to the tight end. But imagine getting um, Ridley involved. I really think you're going to see a lot of things here that we didn't see before. So for that reason, I'm going to go ahead and make the bold statement, the bold pick. Oh, God, 35, get ready. Get ready. 35 to 20, Alabama Crimson Tide. I've never been more confident in a Bama team all year. But now we finally got it all together, and it's time to take care of business. You think a 15-point win? 15. Wow. Oh, two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. And LSU, and LSU, and LSU scored 20 points on the vaunted Alabama defense? Well, Arkansas scored 30. So I think what's okay. going to happen is they'll keep them to maybe not 10, okay. maybe 13 by halftime, and then the, then the twos and threes come in, and that's when they'll, they'll get the rest Oh, of okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Right, well, guys. we'll be excited to see, to talk about this next week. The, we'll talk about it Monday on our Monday morning quarterback show. That's no longer That's right. two minutes. No, no longer two minutes. It's a show now. Um, <laughs> what, what I think we should mention, too, as we finish this, and Tuff and John and I are kicking around, we're actually thinking about televising this show. We're actually about doing, going to do an Facebook Live on this show. Um, why don't you um, let us know what you think about that? Do you care about seeing us as we, as we have these discussions, as we look at the screen? Give us your thoughts, and we'll we'll throw that idea around the next few weeks and see what happens with that. John, you got anything else before we get out of here? Man, brother, I am good. We got our last home game tomorrow, so I'll be able to do that and get finished in time so I can check out a little bit of Florida, Arkansas, and then check out a little bit of the Alabama LSU game. Okay. Well, I will see you tomorrow. Uh, Tailgating begins about – 11 o'clock, 11.30. So, uh, About 11.30, o'clock, yes. Montgomery area, come on down. Uh, Podine is the connoisseur of, of um, grilling up hot dogs. So uh, join us as we are there. Yep. You, you, would, you would be surprised. <laughs> well, for John Podine, I am Paul Spurrow, and thank you for listening to the John and Paul radio show. We are excited. We want you also to uh, tune in and follow us on on Facebook with a John and Paul um, Twitter account. And um, you um, also want to make sure and remind you about uh, No Slight November, uh, an awesome opportunity. We'll talk about that next week in our show and continue to watch the tweets and everything that goes out for that as well. Uh, go to adventuresofministry.com and uh, look at all the resources. And remember, the Monday morning quarterback show is Monday morning at 11 o'clock, and I look forward to seeing you there. Till then. Have a great weekend. Hope your teams win, unless you're pulling for LSU. Have a great weekend. God bless.